Hallelujah. Good morning. How are y'all? Brother Bill said he's blessed. How are y'all? Amen. First Corinthians chapter one tells us this. Paul said in verse 25, we welcome you this morning and those of you joining us by Facebook, we're glad for you to be a part of the word of what God's saying and doing to us, through us, by us. He's in us and he wants to, he wants to work in us and through us. And these words that Paul penned by the Holy Spirit and we'll just have to, for sake of time, come in like verse 25. He said, the foolish to God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. In other words, he says, for example, he says, see your calling, brother. How that not, not many wise men. <laughs> after the, not many wise men after, are, are called after the flesh. Not many mighty, not many mobile. Not many of them are called. They asked um, Dr. Cho one time, Dr. Paul Cho, later named David Cho, I think he changed his name to David. They asked him about these matters right here. And uh, he built a little church of about a million people. And they asked him, um, they says, why is it there's not many people, professional people in the ministry? I mean, people who have, with genius IQs. And, he, and um, Dr. Shell said, finally, you asked me that. He said, I've sought the Lord on that. And uh, he said, why haven't you called those who are, you know, actually genius, who are, have measured high IQs? And the Lord says, can't trust most of them. He says, because they trust in their wisdom and not mine. They trust in their might and not mine. They look to themselves instead of looking to me. And he says here, he said, he has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and he has chosen the weak things of the world to confound them that are mighty. And the base things of the world, which are despised of God chosen, and things which are not, has he chosen to bring to naught things that are. Things that are not, and he's going to bring them things that are to naught, to zero. Verse 29 says that no flesh shall glory in his presence. Why? For he's God. Verse 30, but of him are you, but of him are ye, but of him are you. Now, you could just read that and just say, well, okay, I heard you. Did Muhammad ever say that to anybody? Did Buddha ever say that to anybody? Did any, quote, well-known religious leader ever say, but of him are you? Uh, of him are you? What did, this, what did he just say? I'm in you and you're in me. Did Confucius ever say that? No, because he was confused. 
That's where he got the name Confucius, I think. I mean, you're not living your life by the Chinese fortune cookie, are you? The last time I had one, it said, it said romance is in the air. You're about to meet the love of your life. And I said, well, that'd be a good way for me to die. <laughs> wrong cookie for the wrong day. <laughs> about to meet the love of your life. I tell my wife years ago, and, and, and I, I okay with her. I said, is it okay with you if I have an affair? She says, what? And I said, you know, she said, oh, you mean with Jesus? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to be seeing another man. She says, it's okay with me. See him all you want to. <laughs> so, I have an affair going on. How about you? So he said, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who's made unto us wisdom, made unto you what? Wisdom. What else did he give you? Righteousness, Righteousness sanctification, and he redeemed you. You had to be bought. Hmm? You had to be bought. He redeemed you. And then, and then the next chapter, where Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, 4, he said, In my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. In other words, said Paul said, not, Don't put your eyes on me. He said, I'm not here to speak enticing words of man's wisdom. And yet he could because he was a very intelligent man. But he said this, he said, my preaching is that there might be a demonstration of the spirit and of his power. Hmm. I think probably, um, I think T.L. Osborne said, if Jesus, he said, if, if, he, he said, if Jesus preached what the modern day preachers preach today, he said they would never have any reason to crucify him. He's, he would have lived out a natural life and died. Hmm. He was a threat to him Because he preached the kingdom of God and demonstrated it. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes hated him for that. Now the sinner loved him. That's the way it still is today. Even though it's the religious people that, 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 that hate the things of God a lot of times, it's the sinner. It's those who know they're guilty. You don't have to tell them they're going to, go, they're going to hell. They know, that. they know they're going to hell. Huh? No, they know they are. I mean, the only difference between them and you is Jesus. What's the big thing? You say, yeah, but they're, they're, they're a homosexual. They're a lesbian. The only difference between you and them is Jesus. Amen. Well, I would never do anything like that. I would never put cocaine or shoot a needle up, you know, up in my body, in my arms, whatever. Only difference between you and them is Jesus. You can't understand why they do that. But see, they can't see. It says, it's saying Second Corinthians chapter four that their that their mind that their mind is blind, that they can't see. Well, we're right there at it. We were headed there anyway. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. In verse, verse four, second, uh, 
2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, But if our gospel is hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world, now who would that be? That's Satan, isn't it? It's not God. And whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. See, they don't believe. They can't see, they're blind. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul said, I'm not here to preach about myself. For Christ, he says, we preach Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. I wanted you to hear that because that's we've been dri driving a point. That if you're born again, you're a child of God, you're a son of God, right? If you're a son of God, you're what? You're the devil's master. And if you're the devil's master, then you become what? Man's what? Man's servant. Look, look what Paul just said. He said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servant, for his sake. I, I guess Paul must have knew that too. I'm a son, but I, here I am to serve you. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Look, look at verse 7 if you can stand it. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have it? We're going to have it. When we all get to heaven? We have this treasure in your earthen vessel. What do you have? The excellency of the power that may be of God is not of you. God needs you to be a little bit God inside minded this morning. <laughs> and if your name's George, don't be George minded, be God minded. You say, but you don't know what I'm dealing with right this morning. Yeah, well, Paul knew. Did you? No one that I know of ever dealt with what Paul dealt through. And he, boy, he had a testimony. A man had more perils than Carter's domes got little pills. Matter of fact, he talked about just a little bit of it here. He said, Paul said, We'll trouble. We are troubled on every side. That's a bad confession, ain't it? No, he was. He said, we got trouble on every side. He didn't say on the right side or the left side or behind us. He said, trouble's all around me. Trouble's all around me. Well, I thought you was preaching the gospel. I know that's why the trouble's all around you. He said, the trouble's on every side. He said, yet I'm not distressed. Well, how do you do that? How can you have trouble all around you and not be distressed? Well, you... You, you got to know something. Hmm? You got to know something more than what you can see with your eyes. He said, we're, uh, we're not distressed, we're not perplexed, and we're not in despair. We was watching Hee Haw last night. I hadn't watched that in years. Y'all know, remember Hee Haw? I, 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 the old, you know, part of the thing that they do. Uh, gloom, despair, agony on in. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Lexi was there. She said, what is this? I said, it's, it's an old show and, and it's old, old show. <laughs> and they were you know, picking and grinning, you know, and no hound dogs. Whoa. Pain, despair, agony on in. Well, that's why, <laughs> that's why they said if Jesus was preaching the modern day preacher, they would have had no reason to crucify him. He would have fit just right in. Probably would have had multiple campuses of churches to drink coffee and eat honey buns with you and comfort you. But Paul said, because Christ is in me, he said, 
I've been magnetized and it draws, it draws the devil's attention. He says, trouble's on every side. He said, but we're not in despair about it. He said, we're not perplexed about it. He said, it's not really that big a deal. He went on to say, we're always bearing about in the body the dying, <laughs> the dying of the Lord Jesus. In other words, we're always attracting death to us. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then he said, death works in us, but life in you. But we have the same spirit of faith, Paul said. Amen. You do too. Yes. Paul said, we have it. Amen. Why? Because we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Well, if you got the treasure in an earthen vessel, you also have the spirit of faith. Now, why could Paul say all the things that he says, but we're not troubled? Huh? Why could we have trouble on every side, but we're not perplexed and despair? Because we have, this, we have, we have the same spirit of faith. Notice he didn't, uh, it, it would have been great if he said we had the spirit of faith. But he didn't. He said we had, we, we had the same spirit of faith. The same. Same as who? Same as Jesus. Paul wasn't talking about himself. He says, when Paul says we have the same spirit of faith, he has to be referring to somebody else. He wasn't introducing the spirit of faith to you. He was telling you, I have the same spirit of faith as who? Christ. By the greater one who's in me. And he says, and, 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 that, and that that I have is on the inside of me. I don't have to go from heaven to, to get it. You know, Romans chapter 10 says, you know, don't, don't climb up into heaven. It's trying to get Christ to come down. Don't go down to the depth. They're trying to bring him up. He said, the word of God's word, it's nigh you. Where's it at? It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. Amen. So where's your help? In your mouth. <laughs> it's not, your help's not in heaven. It's not, it's not beneath your feet. Where's it at? It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. 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 Well, and people use it all the time. They use the, they use the heart in the mouth. If it's fear, fear comes out. If it's torment, torment comes out. If it's complaining, it's just com complaints coming out all the time. If, if, if it's hate, it's hate coming out. Hmm? All the rioting in the streets and all the things that's been going on for the years, they're, they're born right out of hell. Had nothing to do with the president who took a place that whether you agreed with him or not, he was just a spokesman. Whether he realized how much he was a spokesman for what should be happening for the church to take its place. Actually clear, cleared the way so that the church would have a voice. He was, he's not the Savior. He wasn't the Savior. He's not the Lord. He's not the Lord. We don't look unto, unto him. We look unto God. That's what drew all the trouble. Then you got all these groups that are coming in there. Antique, if you got all this kind of stuff, you got this life matters, that life matters. Well, look, at the, Jesus thinks life matters. Notice he, uh, notice he didn't say, you know, if, if you're a Native American, life matters. But if you're Hispanic, we don't really care. Did he say that? Did he say Caucasian life matters? He said life matters. He came to bring life. He died for all life. So yeah, black life matters, white life matters, red life matters, yellow life matters, life matters. And if you don't think it does, just die. <laughs> then you'll wonder how much life matters. And he is your life. And in him you live. And in him you move. And in him you have your being. And it's found in him. Israel's problem was in Romans chapter 10, that's just they were ignorant of, of, of the ways of God. 
And they wouldn't submit to God's way of righteousness. So they went about to establish their own righteousness. They were ignorant of his righteousness and went about to establish their own. Now, would you like me to preach a sermon about let's forget God's way of righteousness and, and, and let's, let's devise a plan to develop our own righteousness. Now, probably we'd lose the church today for sure, wouldn't it? You say, well, how, how do you know if someone submitted their way? How do we know if someone has submitted to God's righteousness or they haven't? Then you quit asking questions like, why is this happening to me? Is God still mad at me? Why won't God heal me? All kind of questions like that. And the answer is Jesus. It doesn't matter what your problem is. You can put the problem, put a blank in it, and the answer is always going to be Jesus. Just, just stick Jesus in there. It's not multiple choice. It's just one choice. Why? Because if, if, if he is truth, and he said he is truth, who, who, who shares that title with Jesus? Paul said, follow me as a follow Christ. But if he ain't following Christ, I ain't following you, Paul, either. Right? So Paul's still pointing to Jesus when he says, follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. So we know, we know, we know Holy Spirit is truth. He is the spirit of all truth. He gets the least attention of anyone in the Godhead. Yet in your life right now is most important. Especially what's going on in the earth. We as Christians, and, and, and even this earth knows it's at the end of the age and the earth is groaning. Groaning. The, the earth is moaning and groaning. You know, when you get a little bit older sometimes, you, you feel a few things that you didn't used to feel. You're just like, man, what is that? What's that? Well, it's called mortality. <laughs> if you're young, enjoy it right now. It doesn't mean that, that you need to be sick and decrepit, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the body ages, right? And the body gets older. The bones get older, and this gets older, and the organs get older, and this and that, and that like this. And then, you know, you, you may not, you know, jump off the porch if the porch is this high. You may not jump off the back of the truck. You might sit down on the tailgate and then slide off the end. <laughs> you realize that the, the shock absorbers that was in your knees and in your hips when you jump off, they go all up to your neck. <laughs> then you have 14 surgeries to pull them back out and put in different parts. That's the outward man. But the inward man is being what? Renewed when? Day by day. Now think about that. The outward man does perish. The, the, the time will come that we'll leave the earth. But, 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 but the, it, the new man, the real you, the Christ man, every day is being renewed day by day by day. Amen. Becoming stronger and stronger and stronger day by day. Amen. So that even one day if you're 104 and you can't run in the marathon race from your, from your home or wherever you are, you can speak the word of God if, if you're sending it to China or Afghanistan or Africa or Pakistan or wherever you're sending and, and all type of activity that's going on there will stop just because of the, of the new man that's in you, in Christ Jesus, can speak around the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And you'll never have to lose your joy. Amen. Never have to lose your joy. You should never have to ever lose your joy. The reason why people lose their joy is because of what's happening. But your joy doesn't come from happening or happenstance. Because the Bible says that we have the joy of the 
Lord. Jesus said, when I leave, he said, it's going to be better for y'all. They're like, how could that be better? He said, but if I go, I'm going to come back again. That's exciting. He's coming back again. Amen. That's something that hasn't happened yet. Not all the Bible's been fulfilled yet, has it? So he said, I'm going and I'm going to come back again. While I'm going to be gone, he says, we're going to be building some mansions. Amen. Thank God he didn't say lean to next to your trailer. Hallelujah, going to build you a mansion. Cater made just for you. If you're not a city person, he's not going to stick you in the suburbs of heaven. He's going to put you out there in the country. Hallelujah. Some of y'all may have a beach home and a mountain home. Some of y'all might be downtown, you know, just down with all the lights and all that kind of stuff. I, I won't be there very often, but uh, <laughs> I'll go visit, you know, and listen to the heavenly choir, you know, and the quartet and all that kind of stuff and, and the orchestra play and the angels sing. Amen. I'm mostly going to be in the hills and in the mountains. Hallelujah. I'm going to have Elijah over to preach. I want y'all to come when I have Elijah. And then I'm going to have, uh, you know, that in the morning I'm going to have Elijah. In the afternoon I'm going to have Elisha. And y'all just stay the whole day and eat. Huh? And we're going to listen to Elijah preach. And Elijah's going to say, man, it was awesome serving him. This is what happened. He was a little grumpy, but, but, this is, <laughs> but this is what it was like. He says, but, but you know, Elisha, I had a double portion of that. Isn't it funny how we still got churches? Oh, don't let me get in trouble. We, 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 the church is still in the old covenant. We're looking for a special, come back tonight, we're going to have a, a fresh anointing. How many of you ever, knew, you ever saw a church advertise tonight, uh, evangelist, blah, 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 be here, and it's going to be double portion tonight? How many of you ever heard of double portion tonight? How do you get that? How do you get a double portion? Now, was it ever, did it ever happen in the Bible? Yes, Elijah and Elisha, right? That's the old covenant. When you got Christ, you got all. How are you going to double Christ? Having received all. Now, Lord, it's just not enough. I need you to double up. <laughs> See, the problem is you're trying to take your experience and put it in, in, in this Bible. And you're, you're, we're going from covenant to covenant to covenant to covenant. So we have to just, we're the bunch The Hebrews said in the 11th chapter, people call it the Heroes Hall of Fame. They said all these Having done all these things, they did it by faith, in faith, or through faith. Something of those prepositions. They said, but they were all looking for your day. And they didn't get to experience it in their lifetime, but they were looking for your day. Hmm? Jesus never ministered to one Christian on the earth. Not one. Not one person had faith. They had human faith. But they didn't have the God kind of faith. So Paul said we have the same spirit of faith. Same, identical spirit of faith. Same thing that was in Paul is in you. Same thing that was in Jesus was in Paul. Same thing that is in Jesus is in you. I have his faith. Amen. Now how do I do that? I do that by receiving the word. I do that by believing the word and then acting upon the word. I don't wait for the experience and then get the experience and believe it. Which, which, which leads me to this part right here. just want to read a few scriptures to you this morning. 
In John chapter 1, or, or 1 John, the epistle of John, chapter 1. I'm in the Passion Translation. I'm going to go quickly. Uh, verses 1 through 4. 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4, Passion Translation. It's, John says, we saw him. With our very own eyes, we gazed upon him. We, we were there, heard him speak. Our hands touched him, the one who was made from the beginning. He's the living expression of God. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? This is, uh, I call this, this is John's testimony. He said, we were, we were there. We saw, we heard, we touched, we felt. We were right there. Jesus is the living expression of God. Verse 2, he said, he's the life giver. And he was made visible. And we have seen him. We testified to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father, and now he has dawned upon us. Verse 3. So we proclaim to you that we have seen him and we have heard about this life giver, so that we may share and enjoy this life together. For truly our fellowship is with the Father and with Jesus and the anointed one. Verse 4. We are writing these things to you because we want to release to you our fullness of joy. So you got joy that needs to be released instead of bottled up and canned. Amen. So Paul said, uh, John said, we were there. We heard him. We felt him. We touched him. We ate with him. We, we, we saw these miracles. We're witnesses to it. He says, we have evidence. Huh. Then uh, now I'm, now I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read from 12 through 21. This is the message translation. So listen to the message. Y'all ready? 2 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a message, just listen or watch if they got it. The subtitle in the message Bible calls The One Light in a Dark Time. That fit really well for today. Amen. A light in dark time. See, that, that's what I'm saying. The earth is groaning. Because, and the Bible says, we have the earnest, we have the down payment in our spirit already. What is the earnest down payment of, of our redemption? It's Holy Spirit. We have the down payment, but we haven't received it all yet. And it says, we, we, we yearn to leave these bodies here and be with Him and then come back and get a heavenly body, a glorified body. How many would be willing to trade your physical body in for a glorified one one day? Yes. How, how many of y'all want to hang on to the one you got? Going to get a glorified body. Well, see, the, the whole earth is groaning and waiting. Well, people say, well, man's destroying the planet. It's only got about, you know, 300 more years life into it. Are you, are you out of your mind? Can't you see Gabriel, say, you know, having to go to God? And he says, Gabriel says, Lord, I, I got some news. He says, Lord, well, what is it? He says, earth is gone. Hmm? The, 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 well, I better walk in love here. Praise the Lord. All the tree huggers couldn't save it. Well, it, it's, it's good to take care of the planet. We're to be guardians of it. We're to be good stewards over it, right? <clears throat> but do you think that we're going to drain the oil and the resources out of this planet before God knows how much time's left here? No. Do you think man is going to use it all up and God says, well, I, you know, I really had planned for like another 700 years, but I guess I'll have to I kind of misjudged it. <laughs> they, 
they're not going to have enough resources to live down there. Either I got to, you know, I got to bring about three billion people to their demise to spread it out. See, when you think in those terms, it's just foolish. Hmm? The people who are brilliant can tell us how much life is left on this planet and how long we got left to live. That there's almost no one, there's almost no land uh, for for mankind to inhabit anymore because we're we're, we're just like sardines. Well, I, I don't live in New York City. I live in Jemison. There's some land here. You may not want to come here, but they got some. You can go to Coos County. There's all kind of land. You probably won't have no reception. So if you can't live without a cell phone, you'd be good as dead. I mean, but I mean, they, 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 if you don't think there's any there's any land, just just, just go to Mississippi. Go to Texas, in the place of Texas, and you, you can't find a house for, you can drive a mile, can't find a house. We've got a few more years left. <laughs> they said that all the natural resources and, and, and the oil was gone. And President Trump found bunches of it. He said, you, don't, you just have to get it out of the ground. You frack it and bring it out. Well, we don't frack. He said, no, that's why, we, that's why we're in trouble. He said, that's why y'all are, we are, we're putting our trust in Saudi Arabia. The very people who helped us take down some towers a few years ago. And we're, and we're buying from them and going to be crippled by them. But he said, that's just dumb. See, a, a businessman, a minded man knew that. That, that. That's foolish. A business minded man wants to get business done. Not a politician. A man who does business understands if you don't work, you don't get paid. If you don't do the job, you know, we won't use you no more. See, that just made sense to him. We got a problem, let's fix it. They, they hired me to fix this thing. I, I'm not in here for money, because I really don't need, what is, what's the president make now, $400,000? You think Donald Trump needed $400,000? <laughs> Why would Donald Trump need $400,000 and all the grief to go with it? <laughs> he, he really didn't need that money. Matter of fact, he didn't need so much, he gave it away every month. <laughs> so, he's working for free. Hallelujah. But, the whole earth is groaning, waiting for what? The manifestations of the sons of God. Waiting for the manifestations of God. And we have the earnest, we have the down payment of that right, right here in your spirit. So you've already got the down payment of the whole thing. But the day is going to come, we're going to have the full redemption of it. The full redemption of it. Yes. So, in the message translation, this is what Peter said in verse uh, chapter 1, verse... One, he says, because the stakes are so high, even though you're up to date on all this truth and practice uh, inside and out, he says, I'm not going to let up for a minute and calling you to attention before. He says, this is the post to which I've been assigned, keeping you alert with frequent reminders, and I'm sticking to it as long as I live. I know that I will die soon. I mean, think about this. This is what he's saying. He says, I, this is my post. I'm going to stick with it. He says, as long as I live. And then Peter says, I know that I will die soon because the master has made that quite clear to me. Could you imagine writing a letter like this? Or getting a letter like this? And so I'm especially eager that you have all this down in black and white so that after I die, you will have it for a ready reference. So Peter says, I know I'm going to die soon because the master himself um, is making that quite clear to me. I want you to get this letter and write this down so after I'm gone, it will be a reference to you for the rest of your life. And then here's the letter. 
He says, verse 16, he says, we weren't, you know, just wishing on a star when we laid the facts out before you regarding the powerful return of our master Jesus. We were there for the preview. Now remember what John said? We, we saw, we touched, we heard, we, we was there. So Peter says the same thing. We were there for the preview. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus resplendent with light from God the Father as the voice of majestic glory spoke. This is my son, marked by love, focused on all my delight. We were there on the holy mountain with him. We heard the voice with our very own ears. Verse 19, we couldn't be more sure of what we saw and what we heard, God's glory and God's voice. The prophetic word was confirmed to us. You'll do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light that you have in dark times. What is? The prophetic word, the, the, the word itself. Now, 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 now what he's, and, and, and you'll see it as we, as we continue. What, what John is saying is we were there because we, we weren't there, obviously. James, Peter, and John was there during, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and, and, and they saw Jesus transfigured, and they saw, you know, they saw Moses there, and they, and, and, and they saw the three of them come together. And they, they, they looked and they saw, and they saw Jesus transformed into to, to absolute glory light. And then they thought, man, we, we ought to build some type of shrine here. We've we, we, we got to do something. Let's see, the mind started turning. And they said, but we saw these things. They said, we, we were with Jesus, in other words, when he was baptized, and the heavens hope opened up, and, and, and God spoke out of heaven. We, we heard it with our own ears. We were there. We touched this. We saw this. We watched the lame walk, the blind, and said, we watched him take fish. And, we, and he said, what do y'all think we should do? Because they said, well, it's getting late. All we got is two fish and five loaves. We need to get them out here and get them back to the, you know, to the, to the grocery store. And Jesus says, no, nah, just, just set them down in 50s, ranks of 50. We, but we don't have a two fish, five loaves. He says, set, set down ranks 50. We were there when he took that fish, blessed it, put it in our hands, and we broke it and fed over probably 15,000 people. We saw that we were there. We fed those 15,000 people. But watch this. So, Pete, so Peter says, I heard it too. I heard a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. What did Jesus done at that point to be well pleased about? Had he done any miracles? Hadn't done one. So maybe you haven't got to all that you're going to get to, but he's well pleased with you. That ought to be good. <laughs> now he said this. He said, the main thing to keep in mind here is that no prophecy or scripture is a matter of private opinion. And why? Because it's not something concocted with the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit pr uh, prompted men and women to speak God's word. In other words, what he's saying is, and the King James says it differently and amplifies it differently, of course. It said, God moved upon holy men of old. By who? Holy Spirit. So that everything that they penned and they said came from Holy Spirit from the Father. And what, what Peter's saying is, we were there to see the supernatural, the, the spectacular. In other words, we were, see, we were there to see the spectacular that, you, that those of you won't later on see. But we want you to know that this word that the Holy Ghost gave us and has been penned is a more sure word than anything we saw or heard. Do you see how easy it would be for someone who saw the heavens open up and heaven to speak and, 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 and saw 
the transfiguration of Jesus and Jesus walk on water and all these things are miraculous. They, they, they are spectacular. And that's what people fall for all the time is they want the spectacular and they forget the word of God is supernatural. Amen. Supernatural. Amen. Jesus defeated the devil with the word of God. Now, if, if Satan knew who Jesus was, and he knew who Jesus was, he gave him his best shot. I mean, if you're Satan and your problem's Jesus, and you're, you're going to give him all you've got, right? So what, what did Satan give Jesus? He gave him the ability to be tempted in a weak time, physically weak time, when he was fasting 40 days a night, and when he was weary, and he was tired, and he was hungry, and all he did was take Scripture, so Satan knows Scripture. No, but Satan knows more Scripture than most Christians do. <laughs> Satan knows a lot more Scripture than the majority of Christians know. He was the worship leader. He didn't have a Hammond organ and the pipes. They were in him. They were built in. The man could hit a note. He could hit any note. He just got thinking of himself a little bit too highly than he, than he should. Way too highly. When you, when you come to the thought process that I'm going to exalt my throne above God's, you've lost it. And there was a war. I don't know why they called it a war. It really wasn't a war. It wasn't much of a war. When you think, when you think that you're going to exalt who you are above God in the heavens, there's a, there's, a bad, there's a bad problem. You say, well, no one here would do that. No, we, do, we don't do that, but we, but we actually do it in a form. When we trust ourselves and not Him. When we go to our mind and we try to say, this is what I'm going to do. When he says, trust in me. And he says, don't lean into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he should direct your paths. See, our, our trust and focus and attention is supposed to be entirely upon him. And then we become more God inside-minded. And, and, and that's the problem now is, is, is that people, they don't, they don't take any time in their life to put enough life in, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship, of the Holy Spirit. Because uh, my, my, my one prayer, all my ministry is this, whether, whether you think it's achieved anything or not. Um, I, was, I was praying this cutting grass this week. That's why I had to cut so much. Help me take the things that's most complicated to me and anybody else. And I'm not asking to speak them in elegant terms. Help me to take the most complicated things and break them down so simple that a child can understand them. So that we can live them and we can teach them from children's church all the way to adulthood. Would you give me a, a gift, the ability, the anointing to be able to take that which is complicated to the many and see it through the eyes of a child? When you do that, you see, you can disciple people. If it's just someone who has a lot of charisma and a lot of degrees and all sorts of this, and someone comes wows us, then that's good. But after he or she's gone, it's over. And, and the Lord's eyes is discipling people because he's building an army. So Peter said, I'm not going to be here because the Lord's telling me, you don't have much longer. You're going to be gone. He says, so write these things down. So the apostle Peter and, and, and Jesus, uh, or the apostle Peter, 
He saw Jesus' glorious transfiguration, and he heard the voice of God and the Father. He heard it from heaven. And he was, he, and that, that was a high privilege. Of course it was. That Peter, James, and John were the witnesses to the transfiguration of Jesus. They heard the voice. They were there with him. But Peter says that dwindles in comparison to the written word of God, which is a more sure word of prophecy than anything that we saw or we heard. So we're sending angels and calling them out by all kind of names, by whatever. We send them here. We send them there. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying... I know that we obviously know the angels do all types of work that we don't even see a lot of the time. It's, it's for me, I'm not asking God to see angels. I, I, I remember when we was in Texas and we was in uh, Curry Blake's church. And I remember he, he said something along those lines. It, it just struck me. Because I'm, I'm a word guy. Whether you like it or not, I mean, that, that, that's just who I am. I'm a word guy. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the emotional person who, you know, in other words, I care about mostly what you're dealing with. But, but you know, if, if I take my vehicle, uh, like to Brother Bill or Brother Nathan, to, you know, to fix a, the mechanically or, or erect, then I'm looking for them to fix it. And they, they have the knowledge to know how to do it. And they have the tools to do it. And they have the wherewithal to do it. When I know that you got a problem, this is my tool bag. This is where I go. I said, this is, this is what's broken. This is maybe why it was broken. But now, here's, but now it's broken. Let's go back and fix it. And here's how we do it. But a lot of Christians don't want to do that. They just want to go get the car fixed and get it fixed and drive off. And then if I have a problem, I'll come back to you. That's not what a pastor is supposed to do. A pastor is supposed to, to teach and train people and raise people up. And, 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 if, and if we don't do that, then, then we've missed the call and the anointing that a pastor is in the office he's supposed to stand in. He's supposed to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. Not, not equip them with a seat to listen to the ministry. But to do the ministry. Because I can't be at every hospital nor can you. I can't take every phone call, nor can you. I can't sit there and listen to 300 people a week who need counseling. That's why a lot of people who's had large churches and not so large churches, because even if it's not a large church and then all you have is one full-time person as a pastor, they used to work themselves in the ground, work themselves to death because they, they, they can't do all of it. And it was never intended that way. Because we have the great counselor on the inside of us. So y'all listening to me. You have the counselor on the inside of you. And why do we have so many problems when we have the greatest counselor that the world's ever known living on the inside of you? I, I mean, I, I can just tell you because you say, well, I don't have the time. No, I'm telling you, I'm cutting grass. I remember going around a tree and he says, but, 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 but didn't I say? And he's giving me a scripture. And I'm doing a lot more this way. He said, but that's the problem. He says, they're not seeking me and I am their counselor. So the Lord can actually follow you on a lawnmower. Imagine that. And it's, all, and it's only a one-seater. <laughs> but we only need one. Hallelujah. Can you see, so do you see what Peter's saying? Do you see what John was saying? We were there. We touched it. We heard it. We saw it. 
I know generations, y'all, I mean, you won't. But Peter said, but we want you to know the big deal, awesome as that was, he says, is this more sure word of prophecy. The Holy Spirit inspired men of old to pin down for our, for our benefit. And then 2 Timothy 3.16 said, all scripture, someone say all, is given by inspiration. I got five minutes. All scripture is given by inspiration. God is profitable for doctrine and reproof, for correction and instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, thoroughly finished in all good works. That's a mouthful. Scripture is given by what? Inspiration of who? God, which is by Holy Spirit. And this, and this inspiration is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfectly, and you'll be thoroughly furnished with all good works. This is incredible that this book that you carry in your lap today, that you carry with today, that the Holy Spirit wrote every word of it. Penned, you might say, chosen by 40 people, 40 people who are sensitive and obedient to him. Penned over a 1600 year period of time by 40 people. Catherine Kuhlman used to say this. She said, God's not looking for silver vessels or gold vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. He's not looking for a superstar. We're not superstars. There is no superstar. We, we, we have one. His name is Jesus. We have Jesus. So today, I believe he desires to breathe his life into you. Yeah. He wants his energy poured into your life. Listen to, listen to what he's saying. He wants you to know the essence of his character and the glories and the wonders of his person, the Bible says. The closeness of the fellowship, sweet fellowship of Holy Spirit with you. He wants you to know the love and the peace that passes in all our understanding. He wants you to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, which will break depression. Depression is a spirit. Here it is right here. Depression is the spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit. Most time it gets clinically dealt with. Not against people getting help, but clinically, you know, you can't drug a, a devil. So he wants to keep his home. So he'll, he'll be quiet and won't raise too much ruckus because he doesn't want to lose his home. But, but, but depression actually is a spirit. It says right there what it is. The spirit of heaviness. Where's that come from? The spirit of heaviness is not from God, is it? No. It's, it's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. Well, how do you get rid of the spirit of heaviness? He says, by putting on the garment of praise. Take off your garment of depression and put on your garment of praise. Hmm? He wants you to experience the fullness of of his joy, in the, which is unspeakable and full of glory. He's here to remove and destroy every burden, remove every yoke, to give you back your smile, the spring in your step, to renew, renew your youth as the eagle, to give you new strength to infiltrate into your physical being, an inner strength abounding from within. A breaking of depression and grief and sorrow to put a fire in your belly 
to put a fire in your belly. I said to put a fire in your belly. When something's on fire, when a house is on fire, people come see it burn. Everybody's coming. Fire department's coming, people coming, the neighbors are coming, everybody, everybody's coming. Thomas Edison was trying to invent the light bulb. He struck out 9,999 times. And his chemical lab caught on fire and he called his wife. He says, get down here quick and bring the kids and bring a camera. She said, what for? He said, my, he said, my whole lab, he says, blew up, it's on fire. And he says, you'll never see a fire like this with all these chemicals the rest of your life. He said, let's get a picture of it. <laughs> he said, you'll never, ever see one just like this again. So we come into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So easy to focus on what's not right, what we don't like in our life, what's not working in our in our home, in our finances, in our body, in our children, and mom and dad, and da, da. But coming to his gates with thanksgiving. I guarantee you, if heaven had two lines, and, and, and the Lord wants you to pray, and he wants you to let you, your needs be known to him, but, but, but if he weighed them out between needs and thanksgiving, which one do you think weighs more on a scale? The line would be from here to, you can't even see it on God help me. But I bet you wouldn't be near as many people over and coming through the gates of Thanksgiving, doing the skip hop. Hmm? Coming to his gates of Thanksgiving and into his courts with what? Into his courts with praise. Second Corinthians said he always leads me into triumph. How about always? Say so he's always, always leading me into a place of triumph. Not only does he lead you to the place of triumph, he gives you the plan for it. He gives you the step for it. In other words, all this word is written to you, but sometimes you don't, what, what you need is Holy Spirit say, what you need is this verse right here. All you need is this verse right here. Just like Satan attempted Jesus, and, all, and he just said, well, if you're the son of God, if you're this, you're, I know you're hungry, take the, you know, if, if you're the son of God, turn those bread into stones. Then he shows him, you know, takes him up to a high mountain. He tells him to throw himself off the cliff. He said, because you know, Psalms 91 says the angels will catch you. Every time Jesus defeated him with a word, he didn't call in some heavenly host from whatever to do nothing. When did, when did Jesus ever call on certain angels to come do something? Can you think of one reference? When did Jesus ever say, Father, send angels here to help me do this, and I'll send angels here and I'll send angels there? Do you have one reference? I'm going to say you, don't have, you have not one reference anywhere in the Gospels, and you don't have any references anywhere in the New Testament. Good. Does God do that? Absolutely, yes. But you, did you notice that after Jesus ministered, that the angels, or he, he, on the third time, he told Satan, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And the Bible says the devil left him for a season. And when they did, the angels came and they ministered to him. Strength, and I guess fed him and everything. They came. You have the ministering host ready for you. A lot of times we're, 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 we're trying to do spectacular things that look spectacular and, and, and we're subtly getting away from because, you know, this is just, well, this is just my Bible and it's old because, my gosh, I mean, look at my pages and they won't, they won't, I can't get them to, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I need something spectacular because my Bible's kind of wore out and, you know, it's just, you know, it don't look too spectacular. So if it don't look spectacular and I can't get the pages come out no more. Well, the reason why my life 
ain't all used up just because I use this. Hmm? All I'm trying to say is get back to the word. Get back to the word. Satan has to respect that. Every time. It's written. It's written. It's all he needs. No, it's written. Well, this will never change. Huh? You're a liar. Jesus talked to fevers. Peter's, Peter's mother-in-law, they went to her house and, and they went there to rest and have fellowship and to eat. Got there and Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And Jesus just touched her. And the Bible says fever left. She got up and started cooking for disciples. Nope. It's written. Nope, not going to go that way. It's written. Well, the doctor said, well, you ain't got three years. Well, see, the thing is, you, you didn't give me life. You're, you, you got a medical little thing that you're going through and, um, you know, and whatever. You, you, you're calculating it by how you calculate things, but, but you don't know. I mean, I, 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 was, I, I was at the hospital, at Brookwood Hospital, and they told me my dad had about, I don't know, 12 hours to live. They said 24 hours would be a long life for him. He said he has no chance of living because it's of the problem that he has. It's too late. We can't do nothing about it. He got here too late. Can't do nothing. He has 24 hours tops. Get the family here if they want to come fast as they can. That was in 1990. He left. He died in 2015. Well, okay, so they just missed it by two and a half decades. <laughs> and I'm not saying just because I was doing things. I mean, I have family and all the people who know God, but... The Lord just gave me two verses. He, he gave me two verses. I hadn't been to Bible school. I hadn't been enough. One was in Matthew. I had to go to the reference. I had to go to the reference to find out where Matthew was. So I hadn't, I hadn't quite learned a whole lot yet. Been in church all my life, but I've been out of church for a while. So He gave me Matthew and He gave me Jack Mark, and I put them on two index cards, snuck in the hospital, and I read those scriptures to him a few times, and I asked him to read them. And next morning, all of his problems. The cyst he had in his body, and I mean, his main problem is you know he was a diabetic and had been for a long time, didn't know it, but you know after you've been one a long time, did nothing about it, and your sugar gets up to five to six hundred, uh, you, you start seeing things. <laughs> and he never wanted to go get no help, but that morning he wanted to go get some help. He was in so much pain, so they just they just had him on morphine, trying to keep trying to keep him out of some pain till he could die. Trying to keep him peaceful as they can. No, I just, and I don't know why. I just asked the Lord, I said, does he have to die? And can you imagine the Lord answered me? He said, he don't have to die. I said, he, he don't have to die. Is, it, is that you talking to me? He says, sure I am. He says, get your Bible, look at the book of Matthew. And I'm like, I, I think I could hear you. He says, you should, I'm talking. I mean, he dealt with me where I was at. And then he said, now look at, now look at the book of Mark. And I said, yeah, uh, church where I'm going, they're talking about some of that stuff. He says, well, you, listen. He said, write these two scriptures down, go to the hospital, read them to him. I said, well, he's doped up on morphine. He said, I'll, I'll sober him up for you to get there. And that's all they need. I got to the hospital and I couldn't get in because he was in ICU and he was so critical I couldn't get in. And I said, Lord, well, I, I can't get in. He said, I'll, I'll get you in. He said, just stand right here. And the Lord's sneaky this way. He, he will do it. I mean, he don't always obey the rules. And someone came who had a pass to get in. And when they went in, I shot in to the side before the doors closed. <laughs> 007 <laughs> and, I, and I went down the hallway like this and I snuck into his little thing 
and I reached in and he had wires all over him and all this kind of stuff and, and I put my hand on him and I said, Dad, Dad. And he looked, he said, huh, huh? And I, and I had 15 minutes with him before they come find me. They said, well, what are you doing here? I said, is visiting time over? She said, you ain't been here. I said, well, I just need to come see him for a minute. She says, you, you, you can't be in here. And I left him with two index cards. I said, don't let anyone take these cards from me. Next, the, the, so the, I mean, because he had 19, 20 pounds of fluid just in his feet and legs. Then he had a clot that wouldn't go away. They said, the clot ever moves one, two inches, he's dead. They, and they said, but the problem is he's been a diabetic so long that all of his nerves are destroyed in his body. And it's like electrical shock in his body. He's in so much pain. And there's nothing, we, you know, we, we can't do nerve replacements for his whole body. And the next morning when I got there, two scriptures, two scriptures, all the fluid was gone. All, all the fluid was gone. And they didn't know what to do with that. They put him right back in the MRI machine. And they took him out. I'll never forget it. I'll never, I can see that little guy's face, that Indonesian doctor. And he was, he was uh, called the family. You know, he's like, he scratched his head. He's he just a little guy. You know, just a little guy. He, he liked this. And he said, and I said, well, I said we said, well, what is it? He says, well, he says, um, we, 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 we took your father, father, your father. And he says, uh, he says, all fluid gone. That's good. But he says, but uh, he said, um, he, he had new nerves. He said, I says, what happened? He says, well, in my profession, we call it medical phenomena, phenomena, a medical phenomena. <clears throat> I said, I don't call it that. I call it straight up miracle of Jesus, King of King and Lord, Lord of Lords, not medical phenomena. So he stayed in the hospital, and there was a regular strengthening of his body, and he, he went to Lake Shore for about three or four weeks and, uh, and got rehab, and that gave my mother a chance to throw away all his stuff that she didn't want in the house and tear down the only barn and workshop that he had so later Scott could build a house on it. Praise the Lord, had to come down anyways. <laughs> that was the second funniest thing, because uh, that was what I was dreading most was when we come home and, and he ain't got no barn. Man has no shed. So she said, can we get this from one of the little truck trailers? You know, bought, you know, Nathan's got it right now. And I said, yeah, but that ain't what he had. She says, well, that's all we're going to do. And so <laughs> and I said, okay, but I'm not dealing with him. <laughs> so, so we got home. He'd been gone a month. He'd been in Brookwood, you know, then for two or three weeks then, or a week or two. Then he went to Lakeshore. So he'd been gone over a month. He'd come on driving the yard. And I guess he thought, he'd done his eyes like that. He said, is the barn? Where, where's the barn? <laughs> I was like, I don't know nothing. I, I, I don't know. I said, Mom, where's the barn? <laughs> it blew it over there. It's, it's a little metal thing now. I don't know what happened to it. How does a man who doesn't even know, really know God get brand new nerves throughout his whole body in less than 24 hours? I didn't see an angel. So Curry just said that time closing, he said, Curry said this, Curry Blake, when we was there, he said, if the Lord needs me to see an angel for a purpose, then I'm all for it. If he needs me to see angels, I'm all for it. But I've asked him, if it's not, it's not necessary, please don't let me see an angel on this side. You know why I said that? 
He says, because those things are spectacular, they're exciting, and they make great testimonies, and everybody wants to hear about it. He said, but I don't ever want to have to get away from this is so supernatural. Just like Peter said and Paul said, we were there. We heard. The heavens did open up. We, we heard God speak out of heaven. We watched a transfiguration take place with, with two beings out of heaven and Jesus, the three of them appearing. Uh, we were there. We touched. We handled. We smelled. We saw. We did this. But we're going to be gone, and y'all need a record of this. But we want to tell you, even though we saw all that, touched all that, and that's amazing, and, we're, and it's spectacular, you have a more sure word of prophecy that you hold right here in your hand. That's, that, that's more special than that. <laughs> so if you get a ragged old Bible like mine, you know, there's, there's a few pages in here that don't, that, uh, I, I lost one in Ezra and somewhere else. So I, I, I took another Bible and cut that Ezra out of another Bible and stuck it in this one. <laughs> I don't know what to do with old Bibles. Do y'all know what to do with them? I don't know what to do with them. How many of y'all, I mean, don't raise your hand. I've never thrown a Bible away. And, and, and it's absolutely worthless in the sense of, that you can't use it no more. But I don't know what to do with them. I, I know that sounds, you know, just sacrilegious, whatever, but I'm just saying, I don't know, I, I can't throw them away. So what I do is I, I take them to a thrift store somewhere and I say, I'm going to pass the problem on to y'all. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with them. I just, I'm not going to burn it. I ain't going to throw it in the trash. I just, nothing in me can do that. I love this word. I, I, I love this word. When I, when I have trouble, I, I, I go to this word. When I'm not in trouble, I go to this word. I fellowship with this word. I live with this word. I work with this word. I cut grass with this word. I weed eat with this word. I paint with this word, and I would like to stop the painting part. But, I, I, but th this is everything to me. But I understand this is a person, a real person. And he'll go to school with you. And he'll help you on your test. He'll help you in the workplace. He'll help you with your children. He'll help the children with the parents if he has to. He'll help with the grandparents. He'll help you with your bills. He'll show you a way to get out of debt. He knows all about cancer. He knows everything about leukemia. He's defeated every devil on every side. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. 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 Someone, someone this morning, you, you're, you're, uh, what is that, Holy Spirit? One, for someone, it's a physical thing in your body that's, uh, uh, a problem for you right now? Are we still on? Not well. If if you need healing right now, or you're watching. I'm gonna stretch my hand to you. If you'll just stretch your hands toward me, just as just as a point of contact. Don't even have to do the hand, but we will. So in Jesus' name, I I send forth the word of God. Psalms 107:20 said He sent His word, and it the word. And for anyone here who needs healing, I send forth the word of God. See, the, the Lord wants to confirm. Paul said, I didn't come to be a great orator. I came because this, to demonstrate, there's a demonstration of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has spoken. Now, he wants to demonstrate. He doesn't want just to teach Bible lessons. He, he is the Bible lesson. Now, he wants to demonstrate. In Jesus' name, 
for all those who are watching or are listening at another time, there's no, there's no distance in the spirit. If you listen to this two years later, it'll be just as real as it is on this last Sunday of August in 2021. In Jesus' name, that which the doctor has said to you, and I don't know who you are, but there's someone the doctor has given you a very bad report and does, doesn't look good, or maybe they even told you it's terminal and you only have so much time to live because we're, we're, we're ministering to 40, about 40 countries right now in Jesus' name. I canceled that, I canceled that report. And the Bible said, whose report will you believe? So in, in Jesus' name, I speak to your body and I speak to every cell of your body in Jesus' name. For someone, I know it's some form of cancer in your body, but whatever it is, for anyone, as many as listens, I cancel those assignment in Jesus' name, and he's always leading you to triumph in Christ Jesus. I declare right now in Jesus' name that you're healed. Healed. The healing power that's in Jesus' name. There's healing in Jesus' name. There's power in his name. There's strength in his name. There's peace in his name. There's protection in his name. There's prosperity in his name. I speak that to you, and I declare you healed right now in Jesus' name. And that your body will begin to amend from this moment forward. From this moment forward. And as you know that, contact us on our website right there and, and, tell, us what and tell us what happened. Because someone right now, you're being healed right now where you're sitting right now. And it may not be someone terminal. You may just have sickness in your body. In Jesus' name, you're healed right now. This thing is canceled. It's over. COVID, you die in Jesus' name. You go. Every cell of that, go. Every infection... Infectious disease, germs in your body, I command it to die right now in Jesus' name. You are healed. You are healed right now in Jesus' name. You are healed right now in Jesus' name. By his stripes, ye were healed. It's ours. It belongs to us. It's paid for. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Where you better get me out of here because I feel round two coming on, so can't do that today. Now, Wednesday, we're going to have church. People say, well, we're looking to cancel Wednesdays. They don't work no more. Well, I ain't canceling nothing right now. Praise the Lord. I'm just, I'm just going on, having a good time. I don't know how to do less of Jesus. Huh? We do buy what we want to most time. How many of y'all don't like rutabagas a whole lot? How many of y'all like them a whole lot? How many of y'all don't like liver and onions? That's most of y'all don't like liver and onions. How many of y'all gonna have liver and onions for lunch? How many of y'all sure you, no one's going to feed you liver and onions? So you can eat about what you want to? You can do about what you want to. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, I, this ain't because of pastor. I did this way for a pastor. I did this as a businessman. I did it working for people. I, did, I, I already know what I'm gonna be, where I'm going to be Wednesday. I knew that before I was ever pastor in church. I, I never struggled this morning with, with do we tithe. I remember having that struggle years and years ago because I knew, I knew math pretty well. 
I could add and subtract. I knew a deficit from an asset. And I knew I was living about 20%, I was spending about 20% more than what I was making and they wanted, the church wanted 10 more percent and they didn't want offerings. And that didn't, that didn't make good math, but it did make faith. Then I, I settled the issue of not the legality of tithing. I had to settle lordship. When you settle lordship, it's settled. See, he's, he's not just savior, he's, he's lord over all. So I just remember walking out of the floor covering store and I said, I'm supposed to meet with the contractor. Well, I, I can't do that tonight and be at church. I wasn't pastoring. I said, I can't do that. I can't meet the contractor. Need that job. Need to do this. Need to finish that. Do that. But I just said, not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. And if you can't make this business survive without me being here 100 hours a week, then I'm doing it wrong. I'm not speaking to anyone. I'm just saying this is what I did as a business person. And you don't have to be a business person to accept that. Well, I'm tired. Well, well, you should be strengthened from the word, not fatigued. Now, you do, you do know that we don't come here and do gymnastics, and I don't make you run around. The, you, you just come sit here. You just, you just sit. You can bring something to drink if you want to, just not Kool-Aid. I don't, don't, I don't want no Kool-Aid on my chair. But, just, huh? See, the enemy, that's part of what he is. He's, he's, he's dulling the church down. You, you, you got to be here. You got to get this done. You got to schedule. You got to go over this. Oh, you can't go there. Well, you know, it's just okay. Well, you, you can watch something on your phone. Another, another way he's dumbing you down is with your phone. It ain't just kids, it says all of us. Huh? That's a funny post. Huh? And then you don't have fellowship, you don't have no word time. I wonder if how many Christians spend as much work, time in the Word as they do on their phone, going to Facebook or Twitter or whatever they're doing. How many posts did you read this week? How many of these posts did you read this week? Don't raise your hand, but if this is the first time that you heard one this week, you're missing a few days because he's speaking to you all the time. Remember, the great counselor is living inside of you. He's living there. I think it saddens him and grieves him to know that he's in there and God wants so much for you. And he says, I'm in here. I just want a fellowship with you. I want to be your friend. I want to teach you how to profit. I want you to, I want you to be healed. I want you to be free. I want you to have your joy. I want you to have peace. I want, I want to lead you into triumph. I want, I want to give you the steps how to go from here to there and, and lead you in the process of triumphing because of his wisdom and his grace. Amen. God bless you.